0: Hey, Josh Felber here. Super excited for today's guest. Guys got to watch this. If you've ever been thinking about how should I get into real estate, what are some of those challenges, what are the pitfalls that may have happened, and should I start investing right now into uh, real estate, whether it's a single family home, whether it's multifamily, today's guest is going to be able to open up all those doors for you. He's going to be able to show some light on what you should, shouldn't do, and where you should be putting your potential real estate opportunities at. So make sure you guys check out today's guest, Matt Simmons. Uh, Super excited to have him on the show. And guys, thank you for again watching Making Bank. Make sure you guys share this episode. Send it to some friends like this. Comment down below. Ask your questions because the guests like to see what people are asking and come on and respond and everything. So thank you for watching Making Bank and taking your time. Super excited and honored for today's guest. Matt Simmons is a 20-year business veteran and a 16-year veteran in the real estate and investing. He has built multiple successful companies over the last 20 years, including three seven-figure exits. And with over $200 million under management, and $470 million in total transactions since 2014, Matt has been seen as a forward-thinking business operator with a take-no-prisoners type of attitude. He's often called upon by business owners across the country and real estate leaders for his business ideas and strategies and sales training capabilities. So I'm super excited to welcome Matt Simmons to Making Bank Today.
1: Uh, I'm pumped to be here, man. Great introduction. You're making me sound way better <laughs> than I actually
0: am. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Excited to have you on the show. Let's kind of dive in a little bit and I guess what kind of got you started. Is an entrepreneur or was it real estate first, or kind of like what made this all co- start to come together?
1: well, I mean, so the biggest thing that wanted started me as an entrepreneur is is I was a horrible student, even in high school, and I barely made it out of high school alive, and I knew college wasn't my thing to be honest, and so you know, I just knew there had to be better options to be honest, and I, I had zero desire to go back to school after I got out of high school. My story starts with me actually racing professional motocross and having a really bad injury when I was 20. Oh. I really didn't have much of an option but to come back to Pennsylvania. And my mentor basically brought me in as a partner in his motorcycle dealership group. So that was kind of my first foray into business because I knew it was either that or I go back to school. And I sure as heck wasn't going back to school. And and that was kind of, you know, that was my first, you know, toe dip into, into being a business person, to be honest.
0: Yeah, what was that um, kind of, you know, obviously you were perfect you know you raced motorcycles professionally and so that was kind of like your your dream your passion where you were going and then what that. was kind of that mindset <laughs> yeah shifting that mindset like what did that look like and well so
1: as any athlete knows you know you kind of have to have that same work ethic when it comes to getting to a certain level as as an athlete and this and it was it's it's no different with motocross i mean you know the the mindset and the, the the work ethic that I had to get to that level is kind of the same thing that it just needed to be kind of transitioned over into the business into the business sector right so for me it was just about learning everything that I possibly could, educating myself uh, having that work ethic working those long hours just like I did when I was training on the bike to basically be get an understanding of exactly how the business you know how business works how the motorcycle industry from the retail side work, because that's what it was, it was a motorcycle dealership group, and just sure. kind of getting an understanding of, of, of things from the business side. So my mindset, it, it kind of stayed the same, to be honest, it was those long hours, those long days, you know, educating myself, doing the work that it took to get me to the level that I wanted to be at.
0: And that's great, because I mean, you had that already that work ethic and those habits and everything already yeah. built in, you know, as being an athlete. And, you know, not just like, oh, whoa, me, I can't go do this, so I'm just going to sit around. It's like, all right, I put this to use. So I'm going after it, yep. whether I'm over here or whatever. Yep. What was that transition that kind of took you from in the, in the motorcycle space to – You know what you're doing now with real estate and everything
1: so we sold that we sold that business in 2006 pretty much right before the the crash in 2007 2008 um and i at that point i wasn't sure what i was going to do so i just started buying up my own real estate for my own personal portfolio i knew it was a good investment my my wife and i at the time we owned our own house i just knew it was a good place to put to park some money and then the crash happened and I was like, well, this is fantastic. I can get all these properties for 50 cents <laughs> on the dollar. This is even better. Right. So, so I did, we kept buying, kept buying. I also, at that point decided to start another company and I did And I, it was a digital marketing company. We were kind of one of the first digital marketing companies in the Pittsburgh area. And I grew that really, really quickly. And we were working with a lot of the same companies that I, that I used to race for. So the motorcycle companies, the, the gear companies, all those sponsors that I used sure. to have, were ones that we were working with. So that was kind of like at the very, fr- you know, beginning of the foray in the smartphones and digital apps and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> <You're> right? <laughs> which was great. And we grew really, really quickly. The, my issue with that came in when I got the bright idea in 2010, when I turned 30, that I wanted to go out and do one more last professional race, just to, so, just so I could say I did it in my thirties. That was a big mistake because I did it. I got my license back. I went out and qualified, but I broke my back and my pelvis in the first moto in 2011. So I was laid up for a year and a half. I was in ICU for a week. I was on bed rest for three months. I was in a wheelchair for four months after that crutches, you know, you name it. It was this horrible recovery. And the only thing that got me through the well let me step back so during all that the the agency that i had built basically went bankrupt i wasn't there to run it Uh, i wasn't in the office every day i thought i had things set up the way that they needed to be but clearly i did not right talk about a massive learning lesson right and 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 honestly a gut punch because you, you know you think you have this this thing that can sustain without you and then you realize it cannot and so that business actually went on we we went out of business during my recovery we went we went bankrupt now, the only thing that was able to get me and my wife and my daughter now who was two at the time through all that was the real estate that I had invested in in the years prior We were still getting paid every single month we were still you know it was maintaining our lives to get through all that and so when I came out on the other side, it was this kind of like you know. Big aha moment of why not just go all in on real estate because that's the only thing that's been consistent up to this point and has gotten us right. through everything, and so that's what we did. So that was when the company was the, this company currently that, that I have now was founded right at that time in 2014, and we just we've just built it over time. We've we've done we're on we're on fund six now. Um, your numbers that you talked about at the beginning, we've actually, we're over 308 million in assets under management. Now Wow! we've done over $550 million in total transactions. And so we've just, you know, it's been this slow and steady process of just continuing to buy real estate and add it to the portfolio.
0: That's awesome. What, um, kind of take back, take a step back. Obviously you said when you were laid up and you thought the business was going to run itself and your digital marketing agency, what were those pieces that you're like, Oh man, this is where it all broke down at. And I don't want to have, I'm not having that happen again. So
1: as I'm sure you, you know, and you can attest to any business owner or entrepreneur has a control problem, right? We like to control (laughs) everything
0: for sure. Right.
1: And so that was, that, but that was my downfall. I, I held, I held on to so much control that the people that I had in positions that I thought were there to manage and run the business and lead it really couldn't do that if I wasn't there.
0: Gotcha. So that was For
1: the sure. ultimate downfall. I mean, they couldn't make the decisions. I was in the hospital. They weren't running the business. We were losing clients. Money stopped coming in. Bills weren't being paid. And it was just like this perfect storm of an implosion that, you know, happening.
0: No, that makes sense. And it's, it's, you're right. It's, that's the hardest thing sometimes is like, you think you have your team set up and then all of a sudden you're away on vacation for a week or right. something happens health wise. And you're like, well, why is everything dropping? It right. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and so,
1: and that's just because I, I wanted to hold on to con- control so much. And I, I just wasn't willing to delegate and trust people to do what they knew how to do, but I just didn't give them the opportunity to do it.
0: Now with your real estate, obviously you started, it sounds like, with just buying single family and things like that. But now you guys have everything from multifamily, like some offices and things I was reading about. So we and th- and...
1: our primary focus from, from from the beginning when I started the company, separate from my personal portfolio, was multifamily. So we started off with smaller multifamily okay. and ultimately grew into larger complexes, 50, 100, 150, 200 unit complexes. We focused primarily on class B and class C. We stay away from anything class A luxury. And okay. we grew that over time. Now, it's c- funny enough, we actually started getting back into the single family space in 21, end of 21, beginning of 22 because Mm. of the rent moratoriums that were put into place during COVID. And I wanted to be able to have a risk hedge against those rent moratoriums being put into place. And so I, what I looked at is what what asset class allowed us to have some sort of, you know, guaranteed payment every single month. And that comes with single family in the affordable housing sector. So we we dove heavy into the affordable housing sector starting in 22 last year, 2022. And have really focused on that because, like I tell people, if the government's going to screw us and, and, and tell our tenants that, hey, you don't have to pay your rent if you don't want what? to. And then we can't evict them even if we wanted to. I'm going to go back at them and say, great, I'm just going to buy properties that you're forced to pay us on for the tenants that that we place there because they're in your program. So, and that's what we have did. And honestly, it's actually been one of, it's, it's one of our main focuses right now moving forward because it's so much more profitable than the multifamily space is. It's just, there's
0: a lot more moving parts to it. So it takes longer to build a bigger portfolio. For sure. What, um, what made you guys decide to go class B and C over the class A? So
1: my biggest thing is, is you have a lot of the bigger operators and everyone, you know, you look at how much we have under management. And while people look at that and think it's a really big number, when you look at some of the big operators, these companies that have, you know, 5, 10, 15, $20 billion in assets under management they're all buying class a stuff right so right so for us and that's so that's one reason we can't compete with those big operators mm. um because you know they can come in they can they can buy a hundred million dollar property in cash you know close quickly go ahead and re- refinance it once they stabilize it or 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 whatever and, and right and they have that advantage we can't do that on top of that class a and this is my opinion and there's people out there that will absolutely disagree with me, but class a is the first class of real estate in, in, in commercial and apartments that's going to see a, a decline and a drop in any down economy. And, and, and I say that because if you look at what's the first asset class that, that, that suffers in any sort of recession and we're seeing it right now with, with residential, right? The luxury residential space right now has absolutely come to a screeching halt. Why is that? Well, because the people that can afford those properties understand now's not the time to go be spending two, three, four, five million $5 million to buy a luxury home, right? So that, right. that transitions over into uh, the, 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 the rental space with class A. The people that are paying four, five, six, ten 10 grand a month for a three bedroom luxury condo or townhouse or apartment, they're looking at things and their lease is coming up to, to renew and they're like, well, yeah, I can't afford it. But I'm also spending a lot more money everywhere else because inflation's at eight nine percent. Maybe I just reduce. Right. Maybe I just reduce my overhead a little bit. So they're going to go from that luxury class A, maybe down to a lower class A or even a B plus property. And so you're going to see uh, uh, vacancy rates increase in class A space. And so class B is kind of that that bread and butter where your class A people are going to downgrade a little bit to that class B, and you can upgrade a class C property and turn it into a class B property. And so for us, that's kind of why our focus is on that class B and class C space for those two reasons specifically versus that class A.
0: No, that's interesting, and that's, you know, it's – to hear your take on it and why you guys are doing that, because like you said, a lot of pe- a lot of those companies are investing in the Class A, or yeah. like, hey, go after the Class A. That's that's where the focus is at and everything. Yeah. So,
1: well, and the biggest thing too with Class A, a lot of Class A, especially right now with with where interest rates are at and with where operators are trying to sell their properties at, they're not cash flowing from day one, and a lot of it's new construction mm. too. And the cash you can't cash flow on new construction a lot of the times sure. because it takes time to stabilize that property. And for us. We we pay our investors from day one, so we need to be cash flowing from day one on every property we buy, so that we can pay them their returns.
0: Awesome. What um, what kind of process do you guys go through when you're evaluating a property uh, to figure out like, hey, this is the right one for us, yeah, or you know, we're kicking well, it to the curb.
1: Yeah, it depends on which asset class. If we're talking about multifamily, obviously, it has, I guess yeah, multifamily, yeah, it yeah. has to fit in with 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 our buy box. I mean we we primarily buy in the Sunbelt area. So North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Texas, Tennessee, you know, those those states are kind of our, our, our focus. And the numbers from, from day one, they kind of have to they have to cash flow. We we it needs to be a 50 unit or, or bigger property, preferably class B or class C plus. And we need to we need to be at a cap rate upon purchase somewhere right now with where interest rates are around yeah. six six to seven percent because agency rates right now are around six to seven percent. So, you know, we're not going to go in and be, you know, have negative leverage and buy something with a four percent cap rate, but paying six percent interest rates. And and unfortunately, that's what sellers are still wanting. I mean, some of these sellers are still trying to. Yeah, I had a deal come across my desk yesterday at a 3.7 percent cap. I'm like, are you guys insane? (laughs) Like, tell this seller to come out of the clouds. He's four million dollars high. Like it's, it's, it's right. insane, you know, but that they still think it's 18 months ago, you know, where you could get three and a half interest rates. And it's like, man, you're going to be sitting for a while. So, yeah, I mean, the big thing is cap rate. Occupancy needs to be above, you know, 85% for us. Cap rate needs to be, like I said, between that 6 and 7% and 50 units or more in those locations for us.
0: Okay. And there has to be value. And then, and, um. What's that in the value add? It has
1: to be value add. Yeah. We have to be able to get that, you know, that, that income up. We have to, you know, have something that's basically rented at under market average so that we can increase rent rates, you know, because we, we, we target, we target a 16 to 18% cash on cash return for our, for our investors and uh, a target of 24 to 25% IRR. So properties, I mean, there's very few out there that, that will fit those criteria. So, but when they come across our desk, we, we pounce on them.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. Are you guys when you guys um, put your deals together? Are you guys then raising the money and going into paying cash for the deals? Are you guys bringing in out lend, you know loan money things? You know, I guess yeah, how do so, you guys structure all your?
1: So we do it a couple of different ways. We have a general fund, uh, multifamily fund that we just consistently raise money on, so that we have powder there ready to okay. pull the trigger when we need to. Um, but every property we buy, we'll, we'll utilize debt on. We have lenders that we work with that you know we'll typically come in with 20 to 25%, you know, so we're at 75 to 80% LTV. And that way it gives us more buying power across the board versus going in and paying cash right off the bat. And then sometimes we'll do a property specific raise too where some of our some of our investors and our and, and people that are in our in our pipeline like to be able to know what their money's going into and pick and choose. So sometimes instead of putting a property into a general fund, we'll just do a specific raise on an actual property itself so people can choose to actually invest into that. But we're always raising money for every property we buy. Um, but we're utilizing debt as well with with our lenders too.
0: What? Uh, so if somebody's looking to get into the multifamily space and, and things like that. What's kind of what should they start to look for? What are the pitfalls and things like that that they need to watch out for? Well, so. Right now, to be honest, if you're looking to buy
1: multifamily, you're insane because of what I was talking about earlier with with people, you know, sellers trying to sell at a a compressed cap rate and interest rates where they're at. There's just not a lot out there. Right. Unfortunately, you saw a lot of newcomers uh, to this industry over the last two to three years because rates were so Mm. low and, you know, they could cash flow at a 4% cap rate at a 3.5% interest rate. The problem is, is those lo- and they bought with bridge loans, right? Bridge debt. The problem is, is all those loans are resetting right. right now. So my biggest, what I tell people right now is, is be very, very picky and choosy about what you buy. Make sure that your interest rate is lower than your cap rate, so you're not negative leverage, and make sure that you ha- whatever you're buying right now with whatever loan program or debt you're using does not have a prepayment penalty on it within the next 2 to 3 years mm-hmm. because rates are going to be lower than in next next 2 to 3 years than where they're at now and you're going to want to be able to go in and refi out of that refi out of that property at a lower rate. The other thing that I tell people is is don't be looking at a 4 unit, 6 unit, 8 unit, 10 unit property. Look at at least 20 units because that's what's going to that's what's going to cash flow for you and, and allow you to make profit on it and raise the value enough that you can go in and, and refi out of that eventually. And, and put and put profits
0: in your pocket. Gotcha, and then one of the things, should people be looking for properties where they have to go in and do a lot of fix up stuff? Is it better just to be like, you know, be able to go in and like, hey, trim up the yard, make, yeah. it, make it look great, throw some paint on, power wash, and then and roll with it, or? For
1: newbies, yeah, for newbies, mm-hmm. my opinion is make sure you go into something that's occupied very well already. You don't wanna go into a okay. property where you have to do a ton of demo or renovations. If anything, it's all cosmetic, right? You want to be able to go in and put new flooring in, new kitchen counters, you know, maybe new appliances, new bathroom, easy stuff like that, right? You don't want to have to demo a ton of units because your CapEx costs right now are astronomical with where pricing is on, on materials and supplies.
0: Uh, yeah, right. So if
1: you have to buy, if you're going in and demoing everything and basically, you know, redoing everything from from, from bare studs, your expenses are going to be ridiculous, so you 're going to have a lot a lot more expenses because of that, and it 's harder to get cash flowing at that point i mean any any because it 's a longer process right i mean sure. you 're twelve to eighteen months out before you 're actually cash flowing because you have basically a property that needs to be completely renovated or gutted. Whereas if you're buying something that has some value add to it, but it's occupied, even if it's only 80% occupancy or 75% occupancy, you have money coming in every month. You, 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 you put tenants in, you, know, you, you upgrade or update the units that are empty. You put tenants in those. And as the leases expire on the other, pro, on the other units, you can then renovate and update those units. You know, the lipstick renovation stuff, the lipstick updates. Um, yep. Get those up to market average, put new tenants in there. And now you have a stabilized property. So you definitely want to be buying... A newcomer definitely wants to be buying something that's going to be an easy upgrade for them versus, you know, a big, heavy rehab.
0: And then once um, you got your property, you're able to acquire it and everything. And then what's kind of that time frame you're looking at to be able to go refi and then, you know, pull out some cash? Um, are you looking somewhere as well to um, like, hey, once I update some things or make it look fresh, Um, be able to raise the rent a couple hundred bucks, you know, a month?
1: Yeah. So for us, our ideal is to be able to, once we close on that property within the first 12 to 18 months, have all those renovations and updates done, have, you know, new tenants in those, in those units at market average, so that that way the valuation has been increased in that, in that timeline. And then typically we target 24 months to 36 months to go in and do that refi. Once we've been able to fully stabilize that property.
0: Gotcha. And then, are you guys, uh, your guys, are pulling cash out for your investors and you? But also holding the property, or are you just going to go ahead and do you guys exit out?
1: No, we hold that property. So we'll refi. What our our kind of MO, our target is, is refi between years two and three. Once we stabilize that property, raise the value through the renovations and, and rent increases, go in, do that refi, pull out that additional equity. At that point, then we return that equity back to our investors so that we try to return 100% of their initial investment to them within that two to three year timeline. And at that point, we continue to hold that property. We're cash flowing on that property for typically five to seven years until we kind of hit that target appreciation mark, that valuation appreciation mark that we that we target ahead of time. And once we kind of hit that point, we'll then we'll then liquidate that property uh, and move on to the next.
0: Awesome. What? So that's kind of like, you know, if somebody's acquiring a property. What if somebody's like, man, I don't want to deal with all that kind of stuff, and you know they just want to in, in, in invest money in. Yeah. So they're kind of they're a part of a deal. Like, what does that process look like, and kind of what how should they be thinking in that? Part? So that's that's exactly what we do, right? So
1: that's that's exactly what Sim Capital okay. is. We're, we're a private equity you know syndication group where if people can invest with us. They're investing in the real estate, but they don't have to worry about finding the property, underwriting the property, finding the debt on the property, raising the money for the down payment on the property, managing the updates and the renovations on the property, managing the tenants on the property. But and with us, because we are a limited partner type or a GPLP type of structure, their investment is an actual ownership into the brick and mortar, right? So they also get the tax benefits too. Mm. So it's real simple. Tax Someone benefits, wants yeah. to invest in the real estate, they can come in, invest with us. The minimum is fifty thousand. Our multifamily pays a nine percent preferred dividend, which they start making basically within the first thirty to forty-five days of investing with us. And, and from that point on, they're into the deal with us. They're getting a check every single month. We distribute every single month. We we, we distribute, um, uh, when we do the refi, we distribute the uh, their initial investment back to them as well as any portion of the profits that are left over as well at that time. And then they continue to get their distribution every single month until we liquidate that property. So for them, for an investor that wants to invest in real estate, it's a great way to invest in the real estate without actually having to be hands-on and doing it yourself, and you still get the depreciation tax benefits of owning real estate too.
0: No, that's awesome. That's a whole other piece. Like, what? Um, so, somebody that doesn't know, like, what is those tax benefits, and how can that dramatically affect affect your, you know, t- what taxes you owe at the end of the year? Yeah. So, I'll try to break it down as simply as I possibly can. Um, and this is not financial advice, anybody. No, this is yes, just. I'm not a financial <laughs> experience. advisor. Experience.
1: Consult your own financial advisor or tax attorney. Right. Uh, at your own. At your own risk, I guess. Ah, uh, no. So. With the way that we're structured, so let's compare us to what most people think um, on Wall Street, like with a REIT, right? A real estate investment trust, right? We're not a REIT. With a REIT, you're basically buying shares of the company that owns the real estate right? So you don't get any sort of tax benefits of owning real estate. Now, most people understand that owning real estate, you get some tax benefits, right? Right? You can depreciate the property over 27 and a half years. And then obviously any sort of updates that you're spent that you have to do to the property or expenses, new furnace, new hot water tank, new roof, whatever it is, you also can write off those expenses as well. And, and, and those, you can actually accelerate and write off well, in 23 now, up to 80% of those expenses all in year in this year. Right. Yeah. And so what that allows you to do is that allows you to write those, ex- those, those, those expenses, which show as a loss off against your income. Right. So if you invest hundred thousand dollars with us and because of our, our cost segregation and our, and our appreciate depreciation that we pass through our, to our investors, you know, you, you might be able to write off up to sometimes 60,000, $80,000 in, in that year one against your income that will reduce your tax benefits. Or that no, will that's awesome tax that's... liability. I'm sorry. So you have less. Tax taxes. Liability, yeah. Yeah.
0: No, that's awesome. Cause that makes a huge difference.
1: <laughs> Look, Real estate is one the of thresholds
0: the thresholds and everything else it is. And you know, real estate is one of the,
1: the few industries, that can like, you know, and, and I hate to, say, I don't want to say this and, and, and flag an audit for some reason by someone out there, but we make a ton of money or I make a ton of money, but my tax liability is very, very small because of the real estate that we own,
0: you know, and no, awesome. one well, we got a couple of- minutes left. What's something you're like, Hey, Josh, I really want to make sure I share this with everybody or that you were going to, you're going to get for out from me today. But, um, <laughs> what's one or two last things you want to leave people with before we wrap up? Oh
1: man, now you're putting me on the spot with something I haven't thought about. Uh, We talked about a lot, I'll be honest. I mean, for me, it's it's, it's really just about educating about real estate investing. Most people think that real estate investing takes a lot of money and, and a lot of time as well. And and th- what we have done is eliminated both of those, both of those things for people that actually want to get started in the real estate investing. Like I said, our minimum investment is 50 grand. You're going to earn 9% right off the bat on your money through our preferred dividend, which is at least you're going to beat inflation w- with that, <laughs> you know, and it allows people to start investing in the real estate without actually having to go out and do it all themselves. So there's my biggest thing. And, and, and what I try to educate people on is, is in, if you take away one thing, know that you can actually start buying and investing in real estate much, much easier with less out of pocket than you actually
0: thought. Awesome. And where can people get more info on you or connect with you or your company and that yeah. kind of thing?
1: So you can go right to Sim, our website, simcapital.com, S I M M capital.com. You can find me on Instagram as well. Real Matt Simmons on Instagram, although I'm not totally active on there uh, a lot, I'll be a hundred percent honest, but uh, yeah, you can find, find, find me on both spots. And, you know, I also encourage people to reach out to me. I love, I love talking to people that want to start getting investing into real estate or just have business questions in general. I do respond to all DMs on Instagram you can always find my email right on the website too. So I love interacting with people uh, on a day-to-day basis and helping
0: out. Awesome guys. I hope you guys were really listening to what Matt was talking about. Dove into a ton of awesome content on real estate, uh, to potentially help you and, or if you're just looking to park some cash somewhere and, uh, get a great return and things like that, uh, let go back and watch this again, listen to it, take those notes and then take some action, you know, implement what Matt's talked about today, uh, whether you're buying your own properties or just looking to put, uh, invest some money. Um, and Matt, thank you again for coming on making bank. Appreciate your time and uh, honored honor to have you on the show.
1: Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it very much.
0: I am Josh Felber. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank.